There's just so much more to hear. Download our podcasts at DubaiEye1038.com. Drive Live Talks Careers. Our guest today, David McKenzie from McKenzie Jones. David, thank you for joining us. Good afternoon. How are you? Yeah. Have you had a good break? I've had a lovely break. I'm a little you, bit little bit jaded though. <laughs> you look I was gonna say you look relaxed and refreshed. You're out of your uniform. I am. I so am. So you're looking very casual. Thank you. Yeah. Flip flops and shorts in case anyone's interested. Really? You did this last time. You <laughs> described my whole outfit. <laughs> I just think people want to know. On the on the opposite end of the spectrum, Ali Alassad from Umalabar and Plethka. Ali, thank you very much for coming in. Thank you for having me. Ali is in his uniform. Standard suit and shirt. That's what I like to see. Commitment. <laughs> Commitment to the program. After a long vacation, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so we're here today to sort of, I guess, David, from your point of view, we're going to have hmm. a look at what kind of a year it's been for employment. Has it been, has 2017 been one of those years that was fantastic or is it something that people just cannot wait to see the back of? The latter, I think, as, as the Queen once said, and it's horribles. It's been a terrible year, I think, for, for people finding jobs and I think... It's been a fairly brutal time in the Middle East. Uh, probably worse than 2007, I think. 2007. Really? Yeah, I do. Yeah, definitely. It's been a long, a long sort of drawn out strangulation. I think the best way of putting it. And I think, you know, certainly from a personal perspective, I've seen lots of my friends leave, mm. and and I think the actual stats are that it's about 35 percent down on the live vacancies compared to 2016, which uh, which is which is pretty bad actually it's really significant i mean emma you yeah. said that you've seen a lot of people having to leave or having to look at alternatives mm. now as well yeah and i don't think it's been um just uh, it seems to be like it's not just one or two particular sectors in particular it's been across the board mm. i've had people in everything from finance to entertainment to marketing to you know and they're just really struggling and they've just gone i've lost my job i've been made redundant and and, and been unable to find anything else so they gave themselves you know a bit of breathing space maybe mm. three four five six months and then they just threw in the towel and said this is just, it's nothing so they've just had to look at other other places and see what they can find and david what do you think has has led to this i mean 35 percent is a considerable amount of vacancies or or reduction in the number of vacancies why what's driving this yeah that that was by uh, monster golf actually it was the job board um i think there's a there has been a writing of the market to an extent where the certain industries have had to cut back because they've been a bit bloated. Um, and I think some of the new industries haven't yet picked up. So we always talk about this, the digital economy and, and the gig economy, and that hasn't quite kicked in as yet. So if you've got a you know, small startup, you don't need that many people. You just need probably people who are a bit more flexible um, and you need people that um, will grow with the company. But I think some of the big organizations, we've seen lots of FMCG companies cut their head offices in Dubai and move to cheaper jurisdictions because of the salaries schooling you know cost of living etc life is getting more expensive for us we're getting that coming in uh, in the new year do you think that's going to have any impact in terms of 2018 do you think people are looking at what kind of year 2017 was and trying to bounce back from it yeah look let's look at the good things about vat and i'm a real believer that vat should come in and i know that's an odd thing to say but it's going to it's going to add 12 billion dirhams to the coffers of the uae Mm. Now we're trying to, as, as an organisation, as a country, we're trying to move away from petrodollars, mm. and, and Dubai's doing a very good job of it. And I think VAT is going to help that. Now, what impact that has for for someone like me as a business owner is actually quite difficult because it hits my cash flow. So, 
there's yings and yang. I really believe it's the right thing to do, but I think I'm going to suffer for the next six months with with you know an increased cash flow restriction because of VAT. Can you can you see with that um, some business owners will think this is just too expensive? If there is if there's a reduction in cash flow, they're yeah. going to be thinking, well, is this a place I can operate in? How many people am I wanting to employ to to, to generate a profit in the same way? I think you're right. Look, if if you look at my business, uh, the recruitment market, I've seen lots of my competitors either shut up shop, scale down. None of them are any bigger than they were 18 months ago. So I think it's affecting us now. Um, and what that means is that that less and less people will come to the Middle East because it's not as attractive a place to set up and start up. Now, on the flip side of that, if you think about the infrastructure of the Middle East and, and how we do things properly, I would start up again here. But you just have to factor in the additional costs, certainly of employing people, VAT, all the other licenses, etc. That's interesting. So it wouldn't put you off. No, I, I kind of like it here, though. <laughs> well, I've, been, I've been in the Middle East too long. I, I think it's... People look at Dubai sometimes and they and they look at the, the negatives. They look at the Dewa bills, the Salik, you know, the high costs. What they don't look at is, is the lifestyle we have here. Mm. You know, I was out on the cycle track this morning, admittedly not feeling too great. But, but there's a there's a purpose-built track out there. It's fantastic. You never get that anywhere else in the world. I, I could then, half an hour later, be down the beach swimming or mm. drowning, probably in my case. But it, people don't don't think of it like that. And I think... You've got to see all these new startups that have gone on. People like Kareem and, you know, Amazon bought Souk. And there's all these really good companies coming into the Middle East. And we're becoming a more established economy. And I think we need to go through these growing pains. And unfortunately, now it's, you know, we've got VAT coming in. We've got a depressed economy. We've got fewer jobs out there. But we'll come out of it. And I reckon we'll come out of it by the end of 2018. Okay, so you're in the recruitment business. That's mm. kind of what you do. What areas can you see for potential growth then? It's not been a fantastic 2017. Yeah. Where are we looking at in terms of development and opportunity? Oh, there's some, the obvious ones, you know, we talk, you had, I think you had Mike in here about blockchain. I still yeah. don't understand what blockchain is. And I've sat through three conferences. I'm still no clearer. But blockchain, we're, we've got a lot of needs for cybersecurity experts. Uh, we've had a lot of tax rolls coming in, certainly from Saudi, Zakat. Um, E-commerce is still a big thing, even though it's still not materialised into a big growth market yet. Um, and money laundering and compliance, those are two key things we've been recruiting in our finance business this year. And the message that we've he heard over and over again, and Tim and I had mm. now, uh, you know, memorised this phrase, but data <laughs> is the new oil. Ooh, essentially, that's, data. That, yeah, data is oh. the new oil. And those all those jobs you're talking about are, are essentially, so there's data detectives, yeah. there, there's people looking after the cryptocurrencies. All this information needs to be harnessed. Yep. And that seems to be a massive area of growth. I don't know about you, Emma, but it's kind of that area seems to be where, I mean, I'm not sure what you need to do in order to get qualified to do a job like that but it seems to be a growth area. Mm. Exactly, and I was going to say as well, with um, Dubai and the UAE, you know, Dubai wants to be the smartest city in the world, 2020, 2021, and mm. everything is becoming smart and app-based and tech-based. You're going to have, you need people to write these programs, to maintain these programs and apps. So I think IT technology, the Internet of Things, that's a huge area for growth yeah. as well here. I think, uh, look, if you look at all the roles, if you look at the job boards, it's all about cryptocurrencies, it's all about um, data analytics, big data, all those sort of things, because you need this data to be able to sell products because you need to know who your audience are. Mm. So I think, yeah, that, that sort of area is still going to go. But we've seen an increase in, in marketing roles. Mm. We've seen an increase in sales roles. Whereas you look at things like HR and probably some of the banking areas, they've actually gone down significantly. And I think that the, the, the good thing about that is 
but the end of 2018, there aren't enough people here still to do some of those roles. So we're going to be re-importing talent back in. Mm. The irony of that. So 35% fewer opportunities and in time you're going to have to bring more people in to do the work. Yeah, but that's Dubai, isn't it? You know, we, we eb- ebbs and flows. We're, uh, we're an economy that has a very low un- unemployment um, rate. And the reason being is because you can't stay here longer than 30 days if you don't have a, have a job. The pure, that's a, that's, that's a very good economy in many ways. Okay, so Ali Al-Assad is a lawyer. He's based at Yamalabat and Pleska. Now, Ali, I know this isn't what you were here to talk about, but in terms of the legal world, are there sort of lots of opportunities at the moment or are you seeing a constriction as well? If it comes to like the legal field recruiting, we didn't see any increase or like from the stuff we know, we didn't see any increases. While from another perspective, if you see that the clients we have, like usually are approached by companies hiring employees and companies firing employees. And also... This year, we are approached more by companies firing employees and by uh, companies uh, having like claims against like termination clause, terminations or redundancy. So we were approached more by companies and corporates about termination rather than employment this year. Okay, and Ali, you're here to talk to us about some of the non-competition clauses many employers put in to contracts. Some employees don't even realise that it's written into their contract. As you often say to us, whenever you sign a contract, particularly about employment, it's not particularly long. Read it, understand it, and make sure you're across it. So you're going to talk to us in a little bit more about uh, the detail in terms of these competition clauses, how valid they are. Um, what actions can be taken if you either want to enforce one or you're having one enforced against you. Drive Live talks careers. Welcome back to Drive Live. It's Natalie Lindo-Taylor with myself, Emma Brain, in for Tim Elliott. Today we are talking careers in the studio with us, David McKenzie from Kenzie Jones and Ali Al-Assad, lawyer at Yolamelo Vlova and Plethka. And we are looking at employment trends of the past year and what's to come next year and also non-competitive clauses, validities and actions to be taken in in case that such clauses are breached. So, Ali, let's come to you with regards to those. What are we talking about when we see a non-competitive clause in a contract, which, of course, we all need to read to see if we have those in there? Uh, what is it basically likely to be the bog standard wording and what do we have to be careful of? So, basically, from both perspectives, as a company drafting a non-competition clause or as an employee, you are accepting or signing a non-competition clause, always focus on three points. First of all, is it limited by time? Is it limited by geographical scope? And is it limited enough by scope of work that you are not allowed to do? Because sometimes we see that you are not allowed to compete for the next two years. That's but does it say where? That seems very long and harsh two years, doesn't it? Um, so I was going to ask, when, when we see that, um, a question that comes up from a lot of people, they say, if I'm leaving from one, say, a, a, a normal company and I'm going to be employed by a free zone company or vice versa, does that still apply? Okay. Let's take an example. Someone who has an employment contract in Dubai and he's moving to a free zone. The first question, whether uh, moving to a free zone will make a problem through or because of the non-competition clause, we need to see the clause itself. Does it say, for example, it covers Dubai, including free zone, or just say mainland? In the event it says mainland, it means if you go to the free zone, you are not breaching the non-competition because your obligation is limited to mainland in Dubai. Let's say it says Dubai, including free zones. At that time, you have a non-competition clause. And let's take an example where you have Dubai, six months, and it clearly says what you are not allowed to do which means we have a valid non-competition clause. However, you as an employee, you resign from mainland, join the free zone company, which is completely in direct competition with your current company. In this situation, your visa will be processed. You will start working for the new company. The only recourse your company will ha- your old company will have is that in the event they see that you cause them damages 
and they can prove these damages, that's the time where we recommend for the old employer to go and file a case against you. Because just the fact that you are working for a competitor doesn't give them any recourse against you. They need to prove damages. If they cannot prove the damages, they don't have a case. So it's basically about sharing companies' uh, do's and don'ts and their, uh, what they do to gain their business, stealing company clients, th- this kind of thing. Are they hard to enforce non-competitive clauses? Okay. Uh, now there are two points. We have to differentiate between free zones and mainland. In the event uh, the breach happened in a free zone, in this situation, the company can prove the damages. In the event they prove the damages, they will get monetary compensation for that. But this doesn't mean that the employee will stop working for the new company. Okay. Because basically there is no injunctive relief. However, in the event we are talking about a situation where the, new, where the employee moved to a mainland company, at that time, in the event the previous company can prove that we suffered damages and the court will issue a final judgment against the employee saying you caused damage to the company by X amount of dirham, at that time the previous company have the right to approach Ministry of Labor requesting the cancellation of the employment permit. That's a new system that came around mid-2016. However, personally, I didn't see it enforced yet. I didn't see a natural case about it. Okay, so these are, these are obviously the penalties can be quite high if it can be enforced. And obviously, I'm assuming that it would be quite a lengthy process to take this through the courts as well. It's a normal case. It may take it up to two years within with normal limits. But the two points, whether the clause is valid and certain, whether the damage can be proved. If the damage cannot be proved, there is, nothing, there is no need to go to court. Uh, it, it, <laughs> just, <laughs> just stumbled over my words then. It's okay. Um, the average tenure of a person in a job here is two years. So yeah. technically, you could actually be going through that court case and be into another job by then. I mean, I, how many people have actually been prosecuted for non compete clauses? To be honest, so far, all the cases I've seen them filed by companies against employees end up being failures. So. Yeah, that's really? it. I, I just I, I think the non compete thing is a very emotional thing here as mm-hmm. well. That that people tend to well, you you've gone to one of our competitors, you're bound to be stealing stuff. A lot of people don't. They yeah. just they want a different job, and it's companies fail people, and people fail companies. And I think if if you, it's it's how you leave. And I think if you leave properly a company, you won't get into the spats where, with all due respect to lawyers who earn all the money, in all the, in all the discussions. <laughs> I know that's your job, actually, <laughs> but the reality is if you if you leave a company properly and you you don't bad mouth them and you leave properly, you leave a, a handover list and stuff. Companies won't treat you badly. I don't think. To be honest, like, I cannot say that all companies will, uh, will react that way. A lot of time we see like emotional reactions. Like mm. uh, one day we were approached by someone, their, comp- their previous company are, are suing her for non-competition, and you don't want to imagine the claim. They are basing the claim on the damage of the entire value of the contract, not the benefit of the contract. Wow. Even. Okay. <laughs> it's completely wow. like a very unrealistic case, regardless that the case didn't have any of the grounds, because at that time the contract said that you are not allowed to compete for two years, but doesn't tell you where. Yeah, which the clause is not going to apply even if there's a proof of damage because there is no valid non-competition clause in this situation. Okay, so if you have a question for Ali or David, text us 4001 via the free messaging app or if you want to call us 423-1010. But Ali, I guess the the thing that occurs to me when we're talking about this is how encompassing can a non-competition clause really be? Because is it a case that I maybe have a business and I decide I don't want you to work anywhere else other than here once you leave? In fact, I don't want you to work not even in my closest competitor, but in any competitor in any similar form, how reasonable can these clauses be in a contract? To be honest, our recommendation, especially to companies, when it comes to drafting non-competition clause, 
use it the way how it's made for. It's really made to protect a business, is not to alert an employee with you. Because sometimes we see a company that have an interest of, let's say, in a very specific field. Just because of overprotection, they made the non-competition very broad in a way that will turn invalid. By trying to overprotect themselves, they risk losing all the protection they have. Just draft it in the, as narrow as possible where really you just need it. In the event your business is in a specific free zone, do not say entire UAE, Qatar, Saudi Arabia, GCC, or whatever. If your business is in a specific free zone, just put this free zone itself. To make it two years, you are risking also the fact that it turned to be invalid. Especially with new businesses, sometimes like the database of clients will rotate like every six, seven months. So if an employee is away of you for six months and he doesn't touch your clients, by that time you have even new clients, so you don't worry even about the previous ones. So also, make it six months. Make it specific to your free zone, if you are in a free zone or mainland. And when it comes to the action, because sometimes you have an engineer who's working for a company, they tell you you are not allowed to work as an engineer, as a manager, as a, contra- as a contractor, as an investor, as a consultant, as an... Act- they- these stuff don't go through the court. That's an interesting point. That, sorry, Natalie, because it kind of leads on to the next question I was going to ask you, uh, which I brought up earlier. Is it true that when these, you can't prevent someone from working using their USP, i.e. their unique selling points, so if they're an engineer or a surgeon or a doctor or something, you can't stop a person making a living with the qualifications and the training that they have. 100%. And that's why the court does not apply these non-competition clause the way a lot of employers believe that it will be applied. Because yeah. some people believe that as much I have it in the contract, like as a doctor, you're not allowed to work as a doctor. Like, what am I supposed to work as? It's only the living. Okay, don't work with the next uh, hospital, which is next door, and don't transfer my database of clients. That makes sense. Mm. But don't work as a doctor. Like, you need yeah. to earn a living. And if you don't earn a living, you turn to be a hazard. So... We we have this. We have non-compete clause in recruitment uh, but for this very nature. So ours is six months, and we name specific clients who they've been working with for the last six to 12 months, and we say you can't approach those clients. And actually, most of our guys are pretty good at that. After six months, they can go for it. And um, how would you feel <clears> if, say, maybe a company that you work quite closely with has their eye on a member of your staff and they think, well, we, we'd quite like to work with them? God, it happens all the time. I mean, we get people, we get our consultants poached by our clients. And it's like, do you take that as a compliment? Yes. No. He says three gritted. <laughs> he says that three I do. I, I do because the, the, I think our consultants are really good. And I think that my job is to keep them. And often they get tempted away by other places paying more money or different opportunities. But that's for them to decide. My job is to keep them. And I think we, we hurt, certainly if we're working with a, a client and they take one of our consultants, I see that as cementing our relationship with the client. Mm. I guess, I mean, it's a bit like football. If someone's happing up one of your players, you're not really happy. It might be a compliment initially, but it's not so yeah. fantastic. I mean, Ali, is that something that happens in the legal profession? Is is there a sense that people wouldn't want you to go to the closest similar type of firm? But as a lawyer, like you mentioned, you can't practice any other field. Exactly. And that's why we always recommend to make it now. Because let's say there is a company that they have a lawyer and they believe that this lawyer is a valuable asset for the company. They don't want him to move somewhere else. Okay, in the event you try to limit him completely from moving to somewhere else, your non-competition clause will turn to be valid, invalid, and next day you will see him working next door because your clause <laughs> is invalid. So in the event you have a specific interest, let's say you are not allowed to work for a law firm in the field of real estate, for example, in Dubai. Okay. So at that time you make it more narrow. So this person have the right to go to another emirate or stay in Dubai and practice in a different field, let's say employment or commercial instead of property. But when companies try to limit everything, that's where everything... Where Let's say the matter will go upside down and 
no competition clause will be in will will be valid and he will join the next door people okay we've had a couple of questions in uh two for you ali and one for you david we'll get to those in a second basically it's information about informing an employer about their behavior questions about a limited contract giving notice breaching contract penalties so we'll get the answers to those questions too drive live talks careers it's Drive Live with NLT and Emma Brain. Our guest today in Drive Live Talks Careers, David McKenzie from McKenzie Jones and Ali Al-Assad, lawyer at Umanova and Pleska. Guys, thanks for sticking around. We have quite a few questions in for you. We'll start off with this one. It says, if my contract is limited, do I have to give a notice if I'm resigning? If yes, I'm already paying the breach of contract penalty, so why should I give notice? Ali, what's the answer? So, straightforward. Little, uh, limited contracts, you don't have the obligation to provide the provide a notice unless the contract provide that there is a notice because by default the law provide notice only for unlimited so if your contract is limited and your and doesn't include any clause about notice then you don't have any obligation towards the notice that's number one number two you mentioned that you are paying a penalty for termination please clarify to us what type of penalty because majority of the penalties that you may see sometimes in the contract these are invalid so you don't have to pay them so if you can just send us a follow-up, explain exactly what's the penalty you're talking about. Okay, excellent. I want you both to answer this one. David, I'll get your opinion on this first. Mm-hmm. It says, how can you inform an employer that they were unfair to you um, without being aggressive? So how do you have that kind of conversation? Oh, we've just been talking about that, the emotional part. You, <clears throat> before you go into any of these sorts of meetings where conflict can arise, you need to write down on a piece of paper what you're going to say and, and just try and get across your point without you know, having a go at the person individually or saying you did this you've just got to say look this is my perception this is how I felt um, and go through it all in detail most employers want to resolve stuff they don't want to leave it you know leave a bad taste in someone's mouth because it's just it, it, it's it's just a as we talked about it's a very small place to mm. buy and if you if you go there and bad mouth somebody it will come back and return that favor in maybe one year two year three years time and Ali, from your perspective, obviously this is not necessarily a legal question, but what's your advice to someone in this situation? Basically, I agree. Like, first of all, calm down on the matter. Do not like make any decision like while you're still, like, let's say, in the moment of anger or like, just on site. And second, in the event you're, you are working for a big firm or a big company where you have a process of grievance, for example, where you can report your line manager and moving onward, follow this process. In the event you are working for a small corporate, let's say, you don't have an HR system or something, just send that, maybe you can do it uh, by a polite email. But in general, do it the way how you prefer, but never do it on social media. Because yeah. we've seen it a lot and we've seen the repercussions of it, which is not... Always do it face to face. Don't do it, don't do it by text or WhatsApp. Or email. <laughs> or email. It doesn't work. <laughs> it's always a permanent record, isn't it? Exactly. This, this question has come in, and um, Ali, you, you'd be able to answer this one. It says, can a company take back an employee's Emirates ID and insurance card when they go out for annual leave? No. Completely <laughs> illegal. Why would they do that? Well, this person doesn't say. It, if, it, if there's it, a reason, text It's a bit like holding the passport, isn't it? When I read this SMS, I was wondering if it's, unfortunately, it still happens, whether it's one of these companies that they've asked for those in exchange for them giving them their passport so they can leave, which oh, sometimes still yeah, happens. Most likely. Really? But when you need your Emirates ID for using e-gates and things like that now. But Ali, I mean, you've given advice on this before. Taking someone's passport is illegal. Yeah. And there's a very simple course of action, isn't there? Yes. In the event uh, your employer takes your passport, first of all, the same what we discussed. If you have a problem, discuss it with them. Ask for the passport. In the event they refuse to give it to you, you have the right to approach the public prosecution. 
sorry, to approach the urgent matters judge, file an application with him. It will be decided within 48 hours. He will give you an enforceable order for the passport to be released. Take it to your employer. In the event they don't abide by it, you have the right to approach the closest police station and the police station will contact the employer and at that time he will have to review the passport. So that's the sort of pathway to getting it back. However, if you find yourself in that situation where you need to go to the police, it seems already the relationship between the employee and the employer has broken down, David. Mm. What kind of, where, how do you move on from that? It's very difficult. I think if, if it gets to a point where you're having to go to the police to get your passport back, that you are, it's broken the relationship between you and your, and your company. I think Ali made a good point. One thing, most companies here have HR departments and part of their job is to resolve conflict. And have a discussion with them before you do anything and try and get their advice. But also just talk to friends and family and say, look, I've got this situation, what do I do? But just if you can go in and not be emotional about it, it's a very difficult thing to say that because you're angry Mm. and you want to get solution and and you want a solution now. And often the solution doesn't happen now. It could take up to two years, I think Ali was saying. Um, And I think think you just need to, to engage and talk to people. Ali does often like to talk himself out of a job because he will say, before you go and approach a lawyer and escalate it, try and have a conversation with him. the first lawyer in history to do that. (laughs) (laughs) But he does, you know, in fairness to Ali, he does say, you know, the first step is try to have that conversation before it gets to a stage where you need to involve lawyers, authorities, you know, the police. This is your preferred course of action, even though... You know, that's our recommended action, provided that they can take out the emotions. In the event they feel that the emotion factor will stay there, no, come to us. Even if you will pay lawyers, come to us because by approaching people for amicable discussion with your emotions uh, in place, you will make it just worse. So crawl down and let it discuss. But you not think if you suddenly get a lawyer involved, it escalates the situation even more? Uh, Not necessarily, because sometimes, like a couple of times, we're approached, to be honest, by cases where, like, the situation was clear-cut. Hmm. So we just send a formal notice that this is what you're going to face. And sometimes whenever you outline for the other party what they are going to face, they just, just go and settle it. it. Oh, yeah, okay. because yeah. if you order up someone reasonable, they will say, okay, I'll pay this amount plus interest after two years, plus I'll pay my own lawyer. Hmm. What if I pay now 90% of it without interest and I save my lawyer's trust? Hmm. And plus, they maintain, especially for employment, they maintain the atmosphere in the company. Because if, let's say we have a company with 20 employees and every year they have a labor case against someone. What image you are giving to the rest of the staff? Yeah. Just a matter of time before you are on the next one. And just yeah. very briefly, Ali, we've had a quick question in right at the end. This says, what is the notice period for a non-renewal of contract? Uh, depends. Basically, if you are having a, a limited contract, upon expiry, there is no notice or anything to do. In the event uh, there is an automatic termination clause, we have to see it. I have to see it because sometimes automatic, uh, the renewal, uh, automatic renewal clause will come and tell you you have to give one month's notice to request the renewal or something to say just if you proceed working, then it's renewed. In the event we have a limited contract where there is nothing about renewal, it's finished. You keep working, then it's renewed automatically for unlimited term. Okay, someone else has just very briefly this one too, (laughs) Ali. I'm on an unlimited contract in a free zone. I've just heard on air that I don't need to give 30 days when resigning. What if it's included on the contract I sign? Can I still take it back? For unlimited, you always need a notice. For limited, you don't give a notice unless the contract provides for it. Okay, so yes, to seven two, you are on an unlimited contract, and that's so the, the notice mandatory minimum thirty days.
Okay, fantastic. Our guest today for Drive Live Talks Careers, <coughs> Ali Al-Assad from Umalava and Pekka. Thank you very much for giving up your day off, Ali, to come in and talk to us. Thank and you Thank so you much. for wearing a suit. We appreciate it. <laughs> David McKenzie from McKenzie. <laughs> you just had a dig at me then, didn't you? I'm going to go for a run now because I've got so much turkey. I'm going to fall over in a minute. <laughs> I, I appreciate you also giving up your day off and, and a holiday time. And thanks for turning up in such a seasonal outfit it's so always a pleasure coming on drive live especially when i teach you about your clothes I'm you really always sorry, do <laughs> i'm really sorry that's it for drive live talks careers there's just so much more to hear download our podcasts at dubai 1038.com